take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at the story of what a guy named Simeon got for Christmas. Luke chapter 2. Now, as you're turning there in Luke chapter 2, I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly and that is the offering that we give every Sunday. You guys are very faithful and it's not just just something that we do for the business of the church. It's an act of worship. We make it possible for you to give your offering in four different ways. You can mail a check to the church address. You can give an automatic draft through your bank. You can go online to our website on the home page. There's a little button that says give. Click on it. It's really easy. Or if you're here in person, you can put your uh, Tanya's got her hands in the contribution box right now because she's going to be counting the money. Uh, you can put your money there. And if you're not here in person, listen, we're, we're just, it just means the world to us that you guys stopped in the middle of whatever you're doing at home or wherever you are and, and are live streaming with us today. We are absolutely delighted to have you with us. Luke chapter 2. So it's this story of a guy, of this guy named Simeon, and we're going to look at what he got for Christmas. But it wasn't something that was on his Christmas list. It was something that was on his bucket list. Do you have a, a bucket list? Now, kids that are taking notes, some of you have the sermon notes with me, and so pay attention. Here's an answer to one of the questions. A bucket list is a list of those things that you want to be able to see or do before you kick the bucket or before you die. And on this guy's bucket list was what I believe should be at the top of everybody's bucket list. It was actually something God said, you're not going to die until this happens. And this is a story of a guy named Simeon. And it fits into our final Advent series lesson. It's a Christmas musical. It's the song of Simeon. And it makes sense. And I'm going I'm to tell you his story today. So I'm not going to read this to you. I'm going to read to you his song. I'm not going to sing it, sorry. I'm going to tell you the story. And then when we, we'll, we'll work our way towards the, the song. It's fitting that we look at the story of Simeon today because his story actually follows the birth of Jesus. And so this is the Sunday after Christmas, so it makes sense that we're looking at the story of what happened to Jesus after his birth. You read in Luke chapter 2, so let me just tell you about Luke chapter 2. There were three basic customs that the Jewish people followed after birth. First of all, if there was a boy, the first custom would be circumcision. On the eighth day, they would have the child circumcised, and that's when they would name the boy. And then there was also, there was a, a second um, custom of the Jewish people and it was called the purification of the mother when a mother would give birth she was automatically unclean for 40 days and so she couldn't go into the temple and so after that 40 day period the mother and the father they would they would go and they would make a, a, an offering for her purification but the, the third custom that we also see here in Luke chapter 2 there was the presentation of the firstborn male and so if you had a boy and he was your firstborn and you, you, would, you would present him. It's kind of like we do baby dedications. It'd be something like this. But this was accompanied by a sacrifice. And if you were poor and couldn't afford it, as you see with Joseph and Mary, you could, um, instead of offering a lamb for the firstborn child, your firstborn son, you, you could offer a, a couple of uh, young pigeons or even a couple of turtle doves. You ever heard of a, of a um, Christmas carol about two turtle doves 
And so Joseph and Mary have come to the temple to do what they're supposed to do. You're going to see this five times. You can read this on your own in Luke chapter 2. It tells us that Joseph and Mary, you see this five times repeated, they did everything according to the law. That's just the way they were. These were righteous, devout people of faith. And so they're bringing their baby boy to the temple. It's kind of like bringing your child to church for the first Sunday but also in the temple at this time, there was this guy named Simeon. We don't know a lot about him, actually, other than what we read here in Luke chapter 2. As a matter of fact, he shows up in Luke chapter 2, and after Luke chapter 2 is over, we'll never see him again. But he's a very significant player in the story of Jesus here at the beginning. It's so significant, the Holy Spirit said, let's include him in the story. Now, what's really interesting, as Luke describes Simeon, he doesn't describe him in the way that we would normally describe people. Typically, we would, we would you know, we would talk about, well, where, well, where someone was born, and we talk about their family, or about their background, about their profession, about their education, about their status, but there was nothing like that mentioned. There was only here a spiritual description. So just think about that for a minute. If we were going, someone were going to write a book and you were going to be in the story and they were going to describe you, what would they write? How would you be described? And so usually we're thinking about outward things and outward appearances, but God is concerned. We know this biblically speaking. God is concerned with the heart and so God zooms in and says, Luke, I want to make sure you talk about this guy spiritually, about what was in his heart. And so we read in verse 25, for example, that Simeon was a righteous man. That means in this context, like Joseph and Mary, this guy was faithful. This guy was obedient to God. The scripture says he was devout. And that means walking with God and walking with faith. That was a, a priority to um, Simeon. The word devout literally means to be careful or to be cautious. That means his walk with God wasn't just random and haphazard. He gave careful care and attention to his walk in faith. In verse 25, we read that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You think, what in the world is he waiting for? What's the consolation of Israel? You have to know your Old Testament to know that. Clearly in the Old Testament, the consolation of Israel, this was this time when the Messiah would come. And God would bring consolation. God would bring comfort to his people who were suffering under oppression. We also read in verse 25, it states that the Holy Spirit was upon him. This was something of a of an empowering or a special anointing of the Holy Spirit upon Simeon. You see that in Luke chapter 1 with Elizabeth and with John the Baptist as well. And so you're reading through all these descriptions of Simeon and here's what I want you to really think about. As you see these descriptions of Simeon, you notice that the way he is described, his life described in verses 25 through 28, it was in sync with the song that he sung in verses 29 through 32. See, we sing a lot of songs, right? At Christmas, we have all these Christmas carols. Our worship, can you imagine a worship service without having singing as a part of our worship? But let me ask you this question as I think about it from Simeon's aspect. Is the life that you live, is it in sync with the songs that you sing? Do you ever, you ever notice some of the words that we sing? 
We should pay attention to the songs we sing because if you were singing the songs but not living the life, you're better off at Christmas time singing about Frosty or, or, or Rudolph because your worship is going to be in vain and hypocritical. So in verse 26 in chapter 2 of Luke, we read that it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. You're going to see the Messiah. That was a promise given to Simeon. And so that's really important to understand because in a previous lesson in this series, we talked about from the time that it had been promised, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, constantly promised in the Old Testament. The Old Testament closes. It's been 400 years and nothing. You got all these people who've heard that promise, who have lived with that promise, and they died. Never saw it. God said to Simeon by the Holy Spirit, you're going to see it. You will not die until you see it. Now, of Simeon's age, we're not told exactly how old he was, but there's three inferences that lead you to the impression that he was an older guy. First of all, in verse 26, he was promised, when you die. So you're kind of thinking, probably talking about when he's going to be an older guy. And then later on in the story, as we see in the song, he states these words. He says, all right. I'm ready to die, which typically you don't hear young people stating that. And also, if you keep reading after his story, you see that Simeon's story is parallel to the story of Anna in verse 36, and she was somewhere in her 80s. And so you're kind of thinking this is pretty much where Simeon probably was. And so we put that into context. If Simeon indeed was a man in his late 70s or in his 80s, as, as the inferences in the scripture seem to imply, that tells you this guy had lived his whole life, many years, under the Roman occupation and the oppression of a foreign empire. It's very likely that when, when Simeon was a little boy, that he saw the Romans invade Jerusalem. When in 63 BC, there was this big Roman general named Pompey. He surrounded Jerusalem. He destroyed a whole lot of the city. He killed many of the inhabitants. And this little boy, Simeon, somehow survived it. But it was etched on his mind. I mean, how, how could you ever forget that? So he lived his whole life with memories of what had happened and seeing the Roman occupation of his land. And he'd lived his whole life. We don't know when the promise was given to him, but he lived with a promise that, that someday we're going to be done with this. Someday we're going to be freed from this oppression. And he'd been promised, you're going to see it, Zambian. And so you kind of wonder how long had he been waiting for this since he was given the promise? You kind of wonder, how many times did he get up in the morning, or did he almost every morning and say, is it today? Is today going to be the day when I see the Messiah? You wonder when he was walking along the streets of Jerusalem, looking at people, wondering, is that the Messiah, or could that be the Messiah? How would he know what to look for? How could he tell? And so finally... The day came. We read in verse 27 of Luke chapter 2, and it says, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. I just want to stop right there. 
Because I, sometimes the Holy Spirit is quite neglected in the, in the church world. I want you to notice the incredible activity of the Holy Spirit. He's in very, of course he should be active, it's God. But it's very much, many references to, to the Holy Spirit in the story of Jesus' birth. There are three here that are very significant as they relate to Simeon. First of all, in, in verse 27 we read, and he no, no, that's, that's not the verse I'm looking for. Back up a little bit. He had been, he had, yeah, well, it says, and he had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Holy Spirit revealed something. The Holy Spirit communicated something to him. We see that, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was empowered and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And then it says in verse 26, he didn't just get up and say, I think I'll go to the temple today. It said the Spirit revealed to him. The Spirit led him in verse 27 to go into the temple. There's so much we learn here that the Holy Spirit, he empowers us, he indwells us, he actually speaks to us, he communicates to us, he guides us, he leads us. And as he did here with Simeon, he was actually leading Simeon to some individuals, to Jesus and Joseph, his parents, and Mary. So when he saw them, you just can imagine, by the Spirit, he knew. He knew that's him. I mean, I don't think, the text doesn't tell us this, but I don't believe they had ever met before. Simeon was from Jerusalem. Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth. And so, it's, it's kind of weird that the next thing it says, he just took him and held him in his arms. Like, what parents is going to give a child to? If, if you're a parent and you're in the grocery store or you're even at church and, and you go up to, someone comes up to you and says, may I hold your child? you're likely going to say no. But Simeon somehow saw Jesus and Joseph and Mary and he went up to Jesus and Joseph and Mary and he said, may I hold your child? And they led him. <laughs> now, now, he was probably a little bit smaller than this guy right here, but Sammy makes an absolutely adorable Jesus. So Simeon takes his child and it says he blesses God as he holds this precious little child. And at that moment, as Luke is writing the story, if you're Greek and you're reading in the Greek text, you realize, oh, he just shifted his style of language. Now, we know it because it's italicized here. But he moves from um, ordinary prose, ordinary language of the day, and he shifts to writing in poetry, which was basically the style of songs that were written in that day. And so we have here in Luke chapter 2 what is traditionally known of as the song of Simeon. You want to sing it? It's in verse 29. Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace. I'm reading the ESV. According to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is, this, is, this is what he had been waiting for and looking for and longing for for so long. And I think it's very likely that when Simeon was speaking here, he was speaking in Hebrew. Simeon was a Hebrew man. 
He's in the temple. It's a Hebrew place of worship. The worship language of the, of the Jewish people was Hebrew. Simeon is worshiping. And so when he looked at this child and he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. He wouldn't have said English salvation. He said, my eyes have seen Yeshua. That's Hebrew for the Lord's salvation. We get in that, we get in that the word Joshua and that hopefully that's a reminder of the series that we've been following in the Old Testament. We kind of put it on pause for our Advent series. It's a story of this incredible deliverer whom God used to deliver his people. And Jesus, that Joshua in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of Jesus in the New Testament. And so with Simeon's words, we're reminded that our salvation is not, it's not a list of rules that you follow. It's not these guidelines of do's and don'ts. Our salvation is a person. Simeon was holding in his arms. A person you come to know and follow. The person of Jesus Christ. And so once Simeon saw Jesus, he's saying these words are proclaimed. Now you are letting your servant die in peace. Do you hear what he's saying? Man, I've seen it all. My life is full. God, you can take me now. I'm ready to die. Now, usually when someone's holding the baby, they don't say, I'm ready to die. Not unless it's three in the morning and the baby's crying, for example. <laughs> Could you sing that song? Lord, I'm good. My life is full. You can take me right now. Are you ready to die? And if you do, do you have confidence that you would die in peace? So it's really interesting for me personally. When I was, this, this, this story of Simeon take, took on a very personal meaning to me. It was just at the time when I was reading and studying about Simeon that I had been diagnosed with cancer. And I feel very confident. I feel so it's not, oh, idiot, don't you go there, all right? Um, I feel very confident that my cancer is treatable. But it, it brought me face to face with the reality of sickness and death. Because up to that time, those of you that know me, uh, I'd be pretty prideful in many ways. Of course, you just say it, leave it like that. I'd struggle with pride. But I had really been prideful over the fact that I don't get sick. I'm healthy. That's pretty much my life. As a matter of fact, I've joked that on my tombstone, I'm going to have written, I told you I'm not sick. <laughs> but then when I was diagnosed, it was like the doctors, he said, all right, I'm going to have to use the C word. When I was diagnosed, it humbled me. And I told Karen, I said, well, I guess, I guess they're not going to make a Marvel movie about me after all. I'm, I'm just human like everyone else. But it, it brought me face to face with the reality, Eddie, you're mortal. Something is going to happen. Maybe not now. And how are you with that? Are you good with that? And here's what's crazy, all right? I have, I had, and I have 
now this deep sense of peace. Like I'm not making this up. Um, and it's, it's, it's very similar. I'm reading this Simeon guy and he says, I'm good, Lord. I'm thinking, I, I get that. And it's not because I am now so good. It's, no, it's nothing about me at all. It's because of my faith in Jesus Christ. You see, when your eyes have seen your salvation, when your eyes have seen Jesus, you've seen enough. You've seen it all. And your life is full. And everything else you ever do from that point forward, great, it's okay, but that is extra you are ready, like Simeon, to depart in peace, whether you're 98 or whether you're 28 or whether you're 8. That's a good convicting question to let the Holy Spirit work on us through this passage to ask, are you good with that? Are you ready to die? That's a tough question. Listen, if you have seen Christ, your salvation. You are. And if you have not seen and come to know Christ as your Savior, you're not ready. But you need to be. But there was something else that was on Simeon's bucket list. There was one more thing. It's like he checked this off the top of his list. I saw him. But there was one other thing that was second place on his list that was very important. And you see this in the song. As he speaks in verse 31 of his salvation, he speaks of it as a salvation that God has prepared. Listen to this. In the presence of all peoples. In verse 32, he says, it's a salvation that is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. You hear this? This is not just a song about Simeon. Simeon understood that Simeon is not saved. I am not saved for the sake of being saved, but I am saved for the sake of being an instrument of God to save others. To carry out the mission that Jesus has given to us of making disciples of all nations. And it reminds me of the words of the Apostle Paul I think it's chapter 1 in Philippians. And he's thinking, man, I may be getting ready to die. Not by illness, but by persecution. And you know what he said when he's contemplating the reality of his death? He says, my desire, listen to this. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. <laughs> he didn't say, all right, okay, I'm good. No, he says, I desire that. I'm not, I don't know if I'm there. Paul was there. But notice what he says. But he says, all right, if, if I'm going to continue living, and we know Paul's story that from that point when he wrote that, he was in jail um, writing this to the church in Philippi. He says, if I'm going to keep on living, my desire is not to. But if I'm going to keep on living, he says, that's going to mean fruitful labor for me. And that fruitful labor means living, I'm going to live all of my life all of my days, letting everyone I know and meet come to know about Christ and bearing the fruit of the gospel. You see, for Paul, nothing else mattered. That was, that was Paul's life purpose. And church, that's the life purpose of every single 
one of us as well. I believe Simeon's song is about living with purpose. He lived for one main thing, one main purpose, seeing and knowing Christ, his salvation. Now he could check that off. Nothing else really mattered other than helping others come to see and know Christ as well as their salvation. I think Simeon's song teaches us not only how to die, but how to live. Have you ever heard the, have you ever heard the song? Now, I'm not a big country, I should be because I'm from Nashville. I'm not a big country music guy, but I remember hearing this song and said, oh, that one will preach. Actually, I did preach it one time, incorporated with the passage. I don't know the name of the guy singing it. It's something like, live like you are dying. And the idea is, you go listen to this really great song, and the whole gist of the song You should live your life today to the fullest as though you're dying. (laughs) Because you are. That's the gist of that song. And when you learn how to die well, then you learn how to live well with eternity in view. So today is December 31st, New Year's Eve. Tomorrow, we start a new year. So let me ask you, what's 2024 going to be like for you? What are your goals and what are your resolutions? Are you going to live your life with lasting purpose? Are you going to waste the year focused only on things that are here today and gone tomorrow? I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Our shepherds are going to share with you a vision of purpose for our church and for our lives in 2024. But this time, next year, December 31st, 2024, as you're looking back over the past year, what will you have done in your life that really matters Simeon's song reminds us nothing else will really matter that we've done sure there's a lot of important and necessary things that we got to do in life but what really matters is that everything that we are and everything that we do falls under the large umbrella of the purpose of living a life of faith in expectation of His coming, of seeing Christ, our salvation, and living every day helping others to know Him as Savior. When you do that, then you're ready to die. And once you're ready to die, listen, then you're really ready to live. A life of purpose. And then, Simeon's song will be your song. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That's Simeon's song. May it be our song. Let's stand and pray.
Father, we ask that you would open our eyes again as we step into the new year to seek Christ, our salvation, fresh and new. And Father, as, as we spoke some very convicting words from this passage, I pray for those who are here today or listening through live stream who do not know you as Lord and Savior, that you will lead them by your Spirit as you led Simeon to Jesus, to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And Father, we offer up our lives to you this year as we have seen Christ as our Savior, that you will lead us to those in our community and our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, people that we study with in school. Use us as your instruments to make Christ known. And fathers, we step into 2024 in a few short hours. Show us what matters. Show us what needs to happen in each of our lives individually to, to realign our lives with your purpose for your kingdom principles. As we go into the time of lifting this song up in prayer, if you have come, and I know there are many of you that are here with a heavy burden on your heart, you need someone to pray with, just reach out to someone close by or go to them that you know wherever they are in the auditorium. Or if you know someone that needs your hug or your prayers or your encouragement, let's take this time to, to reach out and to pray for one another as we step into the new year. Let's offer this song to God. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.